title. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a year ago, we would have thought this match could have never occurred. But there's only one place, only one stage for this match. WrestleMania 18, The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan in one heartbeat. You know, guys, it feels great to be back in this ring in the WWF. I mean, the WWF made Hulk Hogan a legend. But you know something? Something happened. And then you people turned on me. The WWF fans drove me out of the WWF. I'm the reason all you people are here. I'm the one that put the WWF on the map. I'm the one that made wrestling as big as it is today. There's nobody in this business that's a bigger icon than I am. I'm the biggest star, past or present, in the wrestling world today, and there'll never, ever be a bigger star than Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the same ring. Who would have thought they would have ever seen Hogan and The Rock? It was not the people that drove you out of the WWF. They loved you. They believed in you. And damn it, The Rock believed in you. You are a legend. You are without a shadow of a doubt an icon, quite possibly the best ever. And seeing as you are back in the WWF, you talked about headlining, main eventing, WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. Well, Hulk Hogan, The Rock says, how do you feel about headlining one more WrestleMania with The Rock? Yes. It'll be a pleasure to kick your ass at WrestleMania. And by the way, Rock, good luck, because you're going to need it. Not as much as you, brother. Oh, wait a minute! versus The Rock at WrestleMania as The Rock bows down to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You're pitiful, Rock. After I beat you, Rock, you're gonna realize that you're ordinary. You're common. All these millions and millions of fans who were my fans first are gonna see me kick your candy ass at 100% of WrestleMania. See, Hogan, you can beat The Rock in a tag. You can take a hammer to the back of the rock's head. You can try to end my career. But the fact remains is there is no way that he's not going to walk into WrestleMania, the biggest match ever. Whoop your candy ass. One, two, three. A match for the ages. The Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania. One on one. A match that the world thought would never, ever happen. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He will make his 10th appearance in WrestleMania. His is the future of the World Wrestling Federation, The Rock. Wrestling's past, wrestling's future. This is WrestleMania, baby! It's the new blood rise.
Podcasting Podcast. We're doing another Perfect 10 this week. I am William Rankin, and today we're going to be talking about The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania X8 or WrestleMania 18. You'll probably hear me flip between each of those. I think that happens with, I do that with 17 as well. It's just one of those things where it's like, I don't, I, I understand what the gimmick was at the time to do that. I, you know, I don't do that though with WrestleMania 2000. I don't say WrestleMania 16. I'm like, it's WrestleMania 2000, but whatever. Regardless, thank you so much for it and download. We are in some weird times right now and it just seems like more and more relevant to get as much podcasting material out there as we can because uh, the rumor is we're not supposed to see or see or talk to each other anymore. Just kidding, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. It's it's definitely weird. Things are not as they normally should be, and that's where man, it, this really this really brings the this is going to put streaming to the test in terms of what we could possibly find to consume. In terms of digital audio or or video, you know. So today, though, what I'm going to be serving up for you guys is a look now at one of my other perfect tens here. Again, Rock versus Hogan, special match, very special, I think, in a few ways. Um, before we get into that, though, want to talk briefly about Best Select Spot because now, well, it, so far as we speak today, as I'm recording this now. Mania is still happening. Now, regardless of whether like regardless of whether Mania is happening or not, we're still going to do a Best Luck Spot Hall of Fame. It just now, it maybe it doesn't coincide necessarily with the actual WrestleMania Hall of Fame induction that happens the night before the event. But we will see. We're still hashing out some details with it too. We're just trying to lock down how we're going to do that show and everything because it is it, it's a fun show in a lot of ways because. There isn't as much like note taking, outlining, and things of that nature. At the same time, like when you're trying to fill that space, you want to do it right, you know. And we enjoyed like last year's was a great time. We had a great time with it. In fact, the closing of the show has forever been defined by that show we did. So, you know, it's one of those that we. Uh, I, I now I almost feel like there's that pressure to find find the bit. You know, that's going to make it really pop. But you know, every time if you try to force it, it's not going to happen. You know, when Jason did Nacho Man, like, that was just something that came... I mean, it's one of the most beautiful bits ever because it just came out of nowhere. It wasn't forced. It was like, it just was this honest, beautiful reaction. And it just took over that show and defined us for at least a few more episodes after that. So, um, keep your eyes peeled. We're going to be... We'll be tweeting about it. We'll be giving you some heads up about what's exactly going on with it. Because we still have to do your fan vote based on the nominations we put out there. Okay. With that out of the way, let's get into this match. So, Rock versus Hogan. The background, because I know I, I always try to structure this. I want to do the background of the, the the build that leads up to the match. I want to talk about always where it where it hits for me in terms of my personal timeline. Like you know, like what? Because I think that's always important when it comes to wrestling. Where our lives are at sometimes can shape the way that we take in these things, you know. I know there's some matches that, depending on where I was in my personal life, I may not have appreciated as much the first time, but years later, I may have appreciated a lot more, or vice versa. You know, I just think that stuff's kind of neat. I think it's always neat to talk about where we were, what we were doing when we first consumed a match. So, this particular one 
when we first talk about the background of the show, let's look at where we're at. We're in 2002. This is kind of a this is a swan song pay per view because it's it's going to be the last WrestleMania that we're going to be here the WWF because in a few months after this, the famous get the f out uh, campaign will emerge because now the WWF will be known forevermore as the WWE. You know, and uh, you know, like it or not, that's just where we ended up with it. But the other significance of this show is like this is like the first mania since the 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 WCW purchase where those wrestlers from the evasion were really prominently featured. We know that they were kind of at the show at 17. They they cut to them briefly and then that was it. There wasn't a whole lot else that we got to see you know with them at that point in time. But by this point, we've had some of the we've had a few big stars cross over and make their appearance and significantly that's the NWO, it's Hogan, it's Hall, it's Nash. So the company itself is in this interesting spot where it's just got this really big and maybe bloated is the right word to talk about this roster. I should say that we've talked about this match, uh, we've talked about this whole show in season two. So first, I think a little bit more context with it you know definitely go back into the archives and dig up the wrestlemania x8 show we did for season two where we talk a lot about some of the the pitfalls of this show because this is by all accounts a very very flawed wrestlemania you know it's hard coming off of of x7 or 17 where i mean you pretty much hit the zenith of not just the attitude era but pretty much all of professional wrestling history so how do you follow that? Well, the hard thing is, or the reality is, you, you really can't sometimes. So what do you do? This show tries in some ways, and ultimately it, it's it's a it's a lackluster pay-per-view that has all the spectacle in the world that would make you believe that it was probably something bigger. And if you just watched this match alone, you would think this entire card was something just extraordinary. Unfortunately, it's not. Where Hogan comes into play, well, let's start with The Rock. I think The Rock, because he's he's had more of the WWF run up to this point, because Hogan's been obviously in WCW, and then just gone for a period of time after they got purchased. The Rock in O2 is about to enter pretty much like the last, this is the last run during his... And I mean, I, I know he'd already started to take some time off doing Mummy Returns and then Scorpion King. I mean, it was it was evident that, you know, the full-time rock was on the way out. And this is kind of the last gasp of that. Obviously, he will he will reemerge later on. He'll reemerge, and he has a prominent match still in 2002 that is defining for another wrestler. He pops back up in 03, but pretty much, like, this is... The end, and it's kind of ironic when you listen to some of the build for this match and you listen to some of the commentary that hypes it. But The Rock, we're a year removed from X7, and The Rock's year has been, you know, it, it's had some ups and downs. You know, one of the bummers after WrestleMania X7 was that when he lost the title, he has the rematch the next night with Austin, and then he's gone for a while. He's gone for a while until after the invasions kicked up. He has some really good, you know, some good moments with Booker T. He has some great matches with Chris Jericho with the WCW title on the line. I think the one there was, I I can't remember off the top of my head, the one that we really, really liked. But 
he has some really great chemistry with Jericho in the ring during O2. Uh, of course, O2 also ends with him losing to Jericho in the famous night where Jericho beats both The Rock and Austin on the way to winning the Undisputed Championship. And then as the year turns into O2... The Rock is once again positioned. He's he, he gets he has a, a one off with the Undertaker, which I think is used more to set up the Undertaker Ric Flair feud, and then he gets thrown back into the Jericho to to try and win the belt back, and he once again you know he he falls short and it, honestly it by this point they're it's it's very forgettable I guess is what I'm getting at. It's it's an interesting rock year because like he's obviously still hugely popular, but it's definitely not the run in two thousand that ninety nine to two thousand run where he just he makes the ascent and he's arguably the number I think to some people arguably the number one guy I never put him quite up there because I don't think anyone eclipsed Austin I don't think it was really that close I know some people like to think it's close I don't think it was ever really that close although it it. It was an awesome build in 17. It, it felt like they. it was the most equal footing you had in the Attitude Era in terms of megastars. But I still don't think it was uh, any cl- anywhere close to dethroning Austin. Even after tonight and with this show, with this match, I don't think he's there. But nevertheless, he's positioned in an interesting way then. After the No Way Out pay-per-view, you know, we're Hulk Hogan. We have the emergence of the NWO. And Hulk Hogan cuts, he comes out to a really interesting ovation. And I guess at this point, now we're segueing to Hogan. So let's backtrack before we do No Way Out. So where's Hogan? Well, you can see season one, you can go back to the archives of season one to see our coverage of how Hulk Hogan, Hardcore Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, how that all meanders through the late night, late 99 through 2000. Because it's weird. Like, you know, I, I remember, I remember being. Excited to see Hogan and Billy Kidman. It wasn't great. It had a few, very few moments of interest. But Hogan at the end of WCW, is it's really sad. It's sad, and it just never really seemed... It, it just seemed like hanging on for the sake of hanging on, getting a great paycheck, but really just not delivering nearly the output that he once had. So once the company was bought out, of course, the expectation was great, great, we're going to get Hogan. Not really, because we all know wrestlers like Hogan, Hall, Nash, Goldberg, um, you name them, Sting. These are guys that had contracts, like guaranteed. So you, I, I can't blame them for being like, no, I, I understand it's a WWF, but I'm going to just let this thing ride out. And when it's done, then I'll come into WWF. You know, I don't know how exactly played out. I don't know if some guys' contracts expired, or if they if they for if they if they did the foregoing of the rest of it to come in. I don't know that, but let's face it, they waited a long time to come in, and it's a lot of the reason why the invasion is just not great is just because the heavy hitters like the Hogans, the Halls, the Nashes, the big the big names from WCW weren't a part of the feud. All right, so. When he finally does come in after the No Way Out pay-per-view, he gets, I mean, understandably so, an outstanding ovation, like an unbelievable ovation from the crowd. And 
he does a really great promo where it seems like he's going to lean into it. And then he does a classic heel move where he's like, you people turned on me. And it's great because this is true. They, we did. And I'm going to say we, because I felt kind of the same way by the time, by the time you get to near the, near the end of the run for Hogan. And I'm talking like that, that 92, even leading into WrestleMania eight, and then the retirement, and he's back, the WrestleMania 9 stuff. It, it wasn't the same. I've said how much I love WrestleMania 7. Like, Hogan 91, like, I'm, I'm all in for it. It's great stuff. He was my guy, absolutely. But it definitely felt like it was getting stale. And it felt like guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were becoming more of an interest, like something to really pay attention to more than the likes of Hulk Hogan. And this got carried out to where... You did have fans in prominent arenas like Madison Square Garden that were not excited about him. You know, when you said, like, or when you guys saw, when you watch that Royal Rumble, and I guess it depends on which version you watch because I've I've heard that there is altered versions where the audio is, is different. When he gets eliminated, people are cheering. And then they kind of boo when he pulls Sid out in a very heelish move. So... It's understandable. Like Hogan's talking, he's talking the right thing that people were starting to turn on him. And then even in WCW, you know, it, it briefly is rejuvenated when he comes in there. But let's face it: by the time '96 rolls around, when it's been about two years since he's come in, it's again like we're kind of just rehashing the same stuff here. And it felt like a change was needed. So his NWO run obviously is great, and that's why. This promo really works, but it works even better when you have The Rock come out, and it really is just from from Jump Street. It's a moment. Like we're gonna have a series of these moments where you have these two iconic superstars, like one of the biggest stars of wrestling today, talking to the biggest wrestling star of all time. Now, I mean, let's let's take one brief step back and talk about the fact that. Is Hulk Hogan a questionable, has a questionable reputation now? Yes. I think liking Hulk Hogan is a complicated thing as a wrestler because you can't help but think about some of the, let's face it, awful things that he's done, both in terms of wrestling and, let's face it, what's been revealed in his personal life. You know, like, I mean, it it is weird. I'm not going to lie to you. Watching him today... Or hearing, or hearing from, or even here seeing him do that podcast with with Austin, which was really good. But at the same time, you still wonder like, it's two things. It's one like you can't help but think about the things that you know he's done, and you also can't you, you can't help but think, are, am I being worked? Because Hulk Hogan is a tremendous, a tremendous embellisher. Of a lot of things, and and I'm not, I'm not coming from I'm not coming from really like any super uh, point of reference here, other than the fact that you you have instances where the story just seems to change over the years as to what is real and what is not, you know, like what is what really happened, you know, and I mean that's that was kind of that's kind of Hogan's skill as a wrestler. He knew how to always, and that's a big part of what is great about this match: how to adapt. You know, except you don't really want somebody who you don't want somebody adapting to the truth, you know, and changing it up to fit the the audience or fit or fit into whatever is considered favorable with that audience. So let 
let's just get that out of the way and just mention the fact that Hogan is complicated. Let's look at it through strictly the prism of O2 as best we can. I know some people may not ever come back to this match again based on what's happened with Hogan. I completely understand that. I still don't want to take away the fact that this is a perfect match and is a seminal moment in WrestleMania and WWF history. So the build of this match is crazy. You really should take a take a moment, go back and watch like uh, Q1 Raws, like from quarter one of 2002. Especially when you're getting to the the build up to Mania, because it is wild. I mean, it's not like it's not it's not like it's really truly a series of promos from back and forth between the the Rock and Hogan. I mean, Rock and Austin looks tame compared to what Rock and Hogan is, where it just seems like they're just trying to just kill the guy. I mean, you see it in the the video package. The Rock's in an ambulance, and they're like, yeah, screw it. Let's Let's take the Pork Chop Express and just ram right through it. It's insane, and Austin's is 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 almost as insane. The way he has to be fighting through the NWO, you know, and on the build up to his match with Hall. What a weird, what a weird match that is too. But anyway, um, it's a it's an interesting build because it's one of those like Jason and I a long time ago we talked about the ways that WrestleMania builds are done, like how the, you have the long-term ones that can start anywhere back as, as far back as, as Survivor Series, the ones that start at the Royal Rumble, or even kind of the micro-builds, the ones that really kick up after the February show that really only have about a month to really get some heat. And this is one that just it, it absolutely I mean, pours as much gasoline on the fire as possible to get the heat going. So it's just an interesting build in terms of just the how can the rock how can the rock overcome these odds and what's so lost in this build is not just how can the rock just make it to the pay per view is he going to be alive they actually put on television the rock and Austin versus the NWO you can go look it up it's not I mean. The match is really for the entrances alone, but just the fact that you're going to see these guys facing off, and it's pretty much the one time the Rock, or I'm sorry, Austin, excuse me, you see Austin and Hogan, you know, going toe to toe in a tag match or any type of match, it's crazy, and it it doesn't really live up to your expectations. I want to touch on that later because I do feel like there was some that they there was something more you could have done with it, but. Anyway, just wanted to mention that because I thought that was interesting, the fact that they actually used that match as a way to build towards this. Not all that surprising, though. We've seen that on, like, for example, Go Home, Go Home Pay-Per-View, Go Home Raws or SmackDowns or whatever before Pay-Per-View. You'll frequently see matches that are kind of put together that involve wrestlers from two different matches, Criss Cross and all that. So, But it was just wild that... That was one. That, that was a match given away on Raw, that never really amounted to much, and is really forgotten, to be honest, for the most part in wrestling history. So me personally, O2. So, all right. After WrestleMania X7, when Austin turned, I was and I still am a huge Austin fan. When he turned, it felt so weird. Because X7, like, I mean, you all know it too, that 
I mean, the most, inc- I mean, the most hyped match ever that truly did go to go beyond it. It was one of those matches where I love that. I love it. This is a feeling that I, I sometimes, I, it kills me that I don't, I, well, never mind. The way I should say it is there is a feeling sometimes you get when you're watching a wrestling match where you know every plot point you have to hit before the finish. What I think is really cool is when you've hit all those plot points and then the match goes in almost like an overtime period and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's so exhilarating. It's great. It's one of the best things in the world. And X7 was like that. And then he joins with Vince and you're like, oh, I, and I forced myself to try and like it, and I couldn't. Charlie has said this before, and he's dead on. The moment Steve Austin became a coward, it was hard to watch anything else because that wasn't the guy we fell in love with again with wrestling. We fell in love with a guy who just did not care and fought everybody at any point, did whatever he wanted, and it was great. To see him reverse that, it hurt. So what that means is like my, my interest in wrestling definitely waned. Because I just did not want to see that side. I didn't want to see that that version of the Steve Austin character. So throughout the summer of 01, I'm getting ready to go to college. I've got a you know I'm I'm working full time at the movie theater. Wrestling really does start to go to the back burner for me for the first time in about at this point, I'd say four years. Because late '97 was when I got back in. Early '98 was when like you know that build of the Rumble was when I, I really um, bought more bought my stock back in wrestling again. But by this point, I'd kind of sold off most of it, I felt like. Now, granted, I did catch every now and then like a couple of the funny, awesome moments, like the, um, the Hugh Morris promo, a lot of those invasion promos where he would just run down just one random person like Spike Dudley or, or Taz or something like that. And it was fine, but still, I didn't really follow too many of the shows. I remember going to college, and it was hard to miss the build for SummerSlam because when you have bodies, like, you know, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor be the theme song, like, that thing was everywhere. That promo video hyping up, you know, Rock, Booker T, you had Austin and Angle. It was huge. It was a huge show. And I still, though at the time, didn't see it. I always followed from afar. I kept up with the results, and I was like, man, Austin still got the belt and everything. I remember hearing briefly when he lost it, and then he got it back like you know soon after and everything. So it was just kind of lost to, it was just kind of lost to history in some ways. Like oh, it, there was a blip in there where Austin lost the belt and got it back. But you know, I um, I, I still just kind of stayed away from it. You know, I wasn't there wasn't anything that brought me back in even when the invasion ended. So. I, I knew everything that was going on throughout 01. I just didn't watch a ton of it. That's what made season two a lot of fun was to explore a lot of those things that I missed. And then in 02, when um, I'm in my second semester of my freshman year, I I had heard about Mania. I had heard about, of course, the NWO and how they came back. I was like, interesting. I mean, I didn't buy the pay-per-view. I didn't have the money to buy it at the time. But I th- it was intrigued by the fact that Rock was wrestling Hogan. I was not intrigued by the fact that Austin was wrestling Scott Hall. And I even before the card, I was like, you know this wasn't the main event. So I was like, well, what the hell is the point of this? Like, this just doesn't seem where Steve Austin should be on this show. So I missed X8 when it came out. And then around like June or July, I remember I went to Blockbuster and I just randomly bought X8 on VHS because it was out. 
And I miss that. I'll tell you, and a lot of you guys can, can really, you'll be able to empathize here with this. Like, it used to be so cool going to Blockbuster back in the day and renting WWF pay-per-views. Like, Wrestle, when I got, when I rented the WrestleManias to watch them for the first time, for one thing, they just felt epic. They all felt like they were beyond three hours long. They felt so big and so long in scope, and it was just so incredible. And that's what was kind of neat was that in a way I got to revisit that even though I was a little bit older and I bought X8. And I remember watching it at home and I was like, wow, this this show's pretty good. And I remember, of course, like I, I the take the Undertaker Ric Flair match I think is just as good in many ways as Rock Hogan. That's an outstanding match. But I remember after I watched Rock Hogan, I was like, this is really, really special. This is a special match. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I, it's another match. Like I'm not ashamed to say it. I cry during this match every time I watch it. Even when I watched it the other day, even on my phone, I was like, "Man, I am I'm tearing up here." Um, and I'll get into that. But yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's one of those matches that can be. I, I love I love it when wrestling definitely gets in that mode. I said this with the Macho King Ultimate Warrior match. When wrestling really does get emotional, man, that's when it really gets fun because. I mean, it's not about, you know, breaking down work rate and all this stuff. It's like, man, it just moves you. And that is just, that's great. You know, just before this, I watched um, the end of Cody and Dustin versus The Shield at Battleground in, I think, 2013, when Dusty drops the bionic elbow on, on Dean Ambrose. And, I mean, man, that's powerful. That's powerful. I mean, yeah, I... I can only imagine. I remember Jason told me watching that in a bar, the place just exploded. And that just is the kind of stuff that makes wrestling really special in a lot of ways. So that's probably a lot of the reason why I rate this match as highly as I do. All right. So we're going to get into the match. Before we do, let's take a quick break and let's hear about Anchor. Okay, we're back. So let's get into the match itself here. So... Rock Hogan positioned well near the end of the card. Probably should have gone on the main event. Jericho has said it. Many people have said it because there was just no topping this match. Uh, the opening here. Well, so it op- with the entrances. Hogan comes out first, and when he is introduced, the crowd is immediately despite the fact that this guy is built up to be just the most heinous heel is all in on this so let's talk about real quick we're in toronto we're at the sky dome so which of which jr bless us already tries to you know tries to kind of use that as some real sports magic here talk about the sky dome jinx because last time war hogan was here he lost ultimate warrior at wrestlemania 6 i don't know if losing one time there and coming back the next time it's really a jinx yet but yeah whatever but you can tell already that there's something different here fans are all in on this the second he walks out with those boas on even i think hogan from jump street is caught off guard by what he sees and what he hears he, he walks down to the ring, and then when he gets in, I mean, this is a match that's full of goosebumps and emotion. The first one hits you when he rips that shirt off, because even though it's the, it's, it's the white and black, Hogan ripping a shirt off with the bandana on and the WWF ring, 
it's a huge deal. Huge. I mean, it feels like massive. And so I, um, I don't know that when you hear the crowd react to that, and what's weird about, and I think you can, you can tell this whenever you watch the shows that are in the big arenas, there's almost like this little delay because of just the, how large the space is and how long it takes that sound to really summon in real time. So you hear the rock come out next and the rock doesn't get booed initially. He is, he's cheered, but it is definitely subdued. It is nowhere close to Hogan's. Now, when they get in the ring, JR, JR and King have to immediately start kind of working this thing, like maneuvering with what's happening in real time, maneuvering with where the crowd reactions are. And at first they're like, well, it looks a little split here. This crowd, you know, they, they like Hogan, but they also, they've got a lot cheering for the rock as well. Well, that may be the case. I think it's, I think it's. It's not nearly as much of a split as they, as they make it out to be. And whatever split it was, it is all... The, the needle goes all the way over to Hogan within the first few minutes. Because they do... they. What's crazy is the spots in this match are so pedestrian and so basic. This is a match where it is all about rapport with the crowd. Because the the first couple of things are just lock up and let's walk back and forth and push down. Well, Hogan is the first one to do. Hogan gets two push downs. After the first one, he pushes Rock down. The crowd explodes, and somehow they explode even more when he 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 flexes and then he poses, and you're just like, oh my god, what is happening? What is happening? Because Hollywood Hogan doesn't do this. This isn't a Hollywood Hogan thing that's happening here. This is the Hulkster that we see before us. And you're just getting revved up. You're getting revved up. You're getting pumped up. You can see the goosebumps popping off your arms. You're like, oh, my God, this is happening. This is happening. And even The Rock is like looking at it like, like it, it, it's not what was planned. And that's what's really beautiful is that this this match is nowhere near what was planned. And that's kind of what makes it beautiful is the fact that this thing just kind of becomes organic and it becomes something special in the moment. So it's the second one he does where he does the the, the classic Hogan front flex with the arms coming down and the fists nearly touching and that, that mouth wide open like he's just and, and you just see that you you see that image and you're it's. Uh, the sound when you watch it back i don't even care what device you watch on like it, it it sounds unbelievably loud and just out of this world so once they start kind of getting into the thick of it you can tell with these exchanges every time hogan has the advantage the crowd is cheering every time the rock gets up and gets start getting some punches in they start booing and booing heavily to the point where the rock has to make a choice does he does he acknowledge it or ignore it? He does the right thing in acknowledging it very subtly. Very subtly, he starts to understand, like, okay, I may be the face coming in here, but I'm the heel now, and I need to act that way. But he doesn't, like, obviously, like, do this full, like, 180 all of a sudden. Very subtly, the way he looks at the crowd a little bit, the way he talks a little bit of trash back to him at various points. He knows exactly how much to give based on what he's getting. So... And Hogan goes to all the classic, uh, you know, all the classic tricks. He does the back rake, you know. He does a lot of the, 
uh, the, the running elbows and stuff like that. He does an atomic drop here and there. This match is weird because you definitely have that contrast of styles. You have Rock, who is a late 90s, like an Attitude Era wrestler, where, you know, also because he's just younger and more athletic, probably the most, I think, the, I've always said, I felt like he's the most the most gifted, like, just athlete that WWF ever had. And I know nowadays it's different when you see guys like Ricochet and stuff, what they can do. I was just always impressed, like, at 275 pounds the way The Rock was able to maneuver in a ring. Not the greatest wrestler of all time, but just an incredible athlete. And that's what just made him so special to, to, to watch him work. And so, you know what the, the Rock's got. Like, I mean, you can remember this from playing uh, No Mercy in WrestleMania 2000 on on your video game consoles. Rock had an incredible array of moves. Tons of them. It's not like Hogan does. It's not from that. His era was built around, you know, a, a very a limited move set with a lot of just knowing how to adapt to the crowd and everything. And that's interesting here because you can tell the you can tell how much they have to adapt to what Hogan can do. And when we're done, there's some there's some quotes I want to dig up uh, or I want to share from a piece that kind of highlight this like it's just a different style of working and it makes for a match that without all of the stuff that all the stuff that has to do with the crowd it's a very it's very pedestrian and in many ways like i think people would say it's below average just because you know it's not it's not all that exciting at times but you see the back rake. You see Hogan come back. He even does a, almost like a choke slam to the Rock, or his own version of the Rock Bottom. But for the most part, the Rock just kind of sticks to. He sticks. He gets in. So he gets his DDT in. He gets a few of his signature spots in there. Definitely no Samoan drop from the Rock to Hogan. That 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 was not happening. But, and you know, there's some brawling on the outside. You see The Rock taking him out to the announce table. Hogan gets a he gets a hope spot. He comes back with a clothesline. It seems like he gets their momentum back. He even gets in the ring at one point. He's got that weightlifter's belt. He takes it off. The crowd loves it. You know, this was an old WCW. If you take that weightlifter's belt off and whip somebody with it, and you're like, boo, screw you, Hogan. You suck. But tonight, it's like, yeah, kick his ass, Hogan. And uh, it's... um. It's weird, but yeah, The Rock, you know, finds a way to, you know, use that to his advantage too when he gets the weightlifter's belt. But then what, like, becomes significant is when The Rock hits that, for, hits that rock bottom and he goes for that cover. And you're like, oh, oh my, is, is this, is this it? But you kind of felt like something was coming because of what you'd seen earlier in the match, the way Hogan was really finding a way to dip back into what Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster, the real American was from his classic run. And you're like, if he's doing that, if he's doing the, the hand of the ear to the crowd, if he's doing those poses, that means no way he's not going to No, 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 no. Rock hits the rock bottom. He goes for the cover. It's a one. It's a two. And the moment Hogan kicks out. You're like, oh, my God. Are they going to do this? Is he going to do this? And sure enough, you see him start to shake the head, shake the arms, shake the body more and more. It's revving up. And 
before you know it, like I, I'm crying, I'm crying because he is he's hulking up, and you're like, what? And it's insane because like I've asked, it, I know Charlie's had the same reaction too, so I know I'm not the only like just I'm not I'm not some loser here for this. I know that this is one of those weird moments in wrestling where multiple people like get really emotional because you're like this is your childhood it's this awakening it's this portal back to when wrestling was so pure and beautiful you know like when it you didn't think about anything but like oh my gosh i hope hulk hogan wins tonight and oh no how is he gonna beat earthquake that big fat guy how's he gonna do that he's so much bigger than hogan how's he gonna do it and oh my god he's over and that moment you'd see hulk hogan hulk up in a match you're like Oh my God, Hogan can do it. He's going to do it. He's digging down deep and he's finding that, that summoning that courage, that strength to overcome adversity. And the fact that here he is, this 49 year old man with like, he, he's gone. I mean, as, as, I mean, he's as bald as he could be now. He's leaving. He's got the hair down and he's got the skullet going. He's got the, 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 the spray painted black beard. You know, he's as, I mean, as purple tan as he ever could be. And here he is. He's, he's hulking up. He's shaking like a crazy man. And you see the rock, unbelievable, just pivoting, knowing how to sell just like an 80s villain would sell, like the wide-eyed, like, how is this happening? I'm hitting him as hard as I can with... And by hitting him as hard as I can, I mean slapping my leg while my open hand hits him ever so slightly just underneath his ear at the base of his neck. But, you know, you know what I mean. And <laughs> it's a moment where he, he goes for the, the punch and Hogan does the point. And you know what I mean? When you see Hogan do the point and he shakes the finger, like, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong, man. Here it comes. And sure enough, the, the three punches, he whips him off the road the boot to the face you're like holy shit it's just an explosion of 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 all these different of all these different things in your mind you know and this isn't and i i'm happy we're not quite at the point of hogan's career yet where he would boot the guy and then wait 10 minutes while he looked to the crowd before he'd do the leg drop it's only about five here you know it's still a bit of a delay but whatever he comes off the rope he hits a leg drop and you're like he's gonna win this is great. And then The Rock kicks out at two. And I'll be honest, the moment The Rock kicks out at two, the match does feel like it's kind of dead at that point. You feel like you've seen, like, you you know, first of all, you, you know that Hogan's not going to, he's not going to win at this point. Because there's just, it, it's, Hogan doesn't usually drop that second leg. And when he usually goes for it, he misses it like he does here. And then, sure enough, the rock hits two more rock bottoms. He finishes it off of the people's elbow. He gets the one, the two, and the three. And what's really great is the crowd, although they had really been booing him, they stand and they applaud him. They applaud him and Hogan. It is really beautiful. It's a great reaction. Huge credit to the Toronto crowd. Way, I, 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 you know, I know the the New Jersey crowd after WrestleMania 29 gets a huge crowd the night after Mania the Raw crowd for changing the way crowds react to wrestling events this was the best moment of that where a crowd took over but they did so in a way where 
like they it, it it wasn't obnoxious they really paid homage to both they paid respect to both wrestlers in a nice profound way they shake they they um they applaud for rock and hogan and it's interesting because hogan gets up and he walks over to the rock and you know it's interesting he, he goes to shake put out his hand to shake and jr even says on commentary oh we can't can't trust this can't trust this guy and um the rock does eventually shake it and i want you to if you guys go back and watch this this is one of my favorite parts actually even though like i, I like i said after hogan doesn't win with a leg drop that i kind of i i kind of i I check out a little bit because I know where it's going to end up. So I, I mean, I'm, my investment level definitely drops. When I re when I rewatch this recently though, and I see this moment where he, where Hogan walks over and he tries to shake his hand, and he looks like just such a, he just looks so beaten. He's hunched over. His his left arm is cradling his abdomen from being from the incredible people's elbow that just you know, sunk a hole in his heart. And you see him kind of his eyes aren't even looking at the rock, and he's got this hand, this really stiff hand extended. And it really hit me. I was like, "That's not Hulk Hogan. That's Terry Bollea. He is a man. He's just a man at this point." And it was kind of neat. It was like, in many ways, like, I kind of wish that was the last match Hogan ever did because it felt like the immortal Hulk Hogan, you know, went to, not to steal from Henry and uh, Ride to Podcast, he went to Wrestler Heaven in a way. That character did. And here's this old man that's left. He just wants to shake the hand of the kid and let him know that, yeah, man, it's your time now. You're the better man. This is your moment enjoy it now there are a couple more things on pack of course after afterwards the nwo comes out or, Hogan, or i'm sorry hall and nash come out they just waylay on hogan and then rock comes in to save them they clear house and it's a cool it's cool to see hogan and rock standing together at the end they go down the ramp <coughs> it's really neat when they are about to leave they do a similar moment like this wrestlemania 29 with rock and cena Hogan holds up the Rock's hand and you know extends his arm to to show like hey this is your this is the better man tonight this is your guy. If you look at Rock, Rock definitely looks like he's moved by the occasion. Like you can tell like it's a big moment for him to have Hulk Hogan raising his arm at WrestleMania as the victor. And that's the end of it. Now I want to give a quick a couple shots here on commentary like they Commentary does a really great job of pivoting here. Once it's apparent that the crowd is with him, like JR leans into this heavily, talking about the nostalgia factor that is here. And uh, I, I think that's one thing that's really great about this match is it's JR, it's the King. You have um, you have you have the Rock, you have Hogan, obviously. Everybody is listening to the crowd <clears throat> and reacting and not trying to push maybe what is on the script or what had been rehearsed. And that's so important because nowadays all we ever, we complain so much about wrestling. It's like, well, they have these little note cards and this is the way you got to do a promo. And, you know, the agents or the producers script out these matches and it's going to go boom, 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 boom. And then that's the end of it and blah, blah, blah. And 
how much is how much is true of that? How much is not? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, I, I I think a lot of that's true because we've heard enough people that have been in the business say it. But what I think is interesting though is these this this match in O two was a case of we have this plan. This plan isn't going to work. Let's listen to the crowd. What's the crowd want? They want to cheer you, Hogan. So let's lean into that. And they do. That's great. So what is, like, can we, is it, can we figure out why the crowd is cheering for Hogan? It's hard. Like, it's a hard thing. Like, for one thing, they. it's not like this was the first reappearance of Hogan. He had come out after No Way Out. He had spent plenty of Raws, like, just being an asshole to The Rock nearly killing him multiple times so he had been exposed on Raw but at the same time like I, I, I well no I shouldn't say that he had he had shown up on Raw he had done this on Raw but he hadn't I don't know he, for whatever reason the crowd just did not did not want to acknowledge that and I think this does dip into an interesting argument i really this is i'm pulling this a little bit from place to be nation one of the best wrestling podcasts ever is when uh place to be nation did they did the original run like nobody all of us really are living in their shadow they were the first ones i've i remember listening to they were doing like podcasts and like 2010 2011 going through all the wwf shows so by the time they got to x8 what i thought was a really profound point that jt rosero made was that look at where we were at as a country you know in a post 11 world like it, it it things definitely were upside down boy they're about to be upside down again after corona is over but i it's also seemed to be in the midst of kind of reorganizing, you know, what our world was going to be like going forward, it's a time where nostalgia is starting to kick in. Like, I think you those shows like I Love the 80s, you know, on VH1, I, there are a lot of things that we're, we're able to go back and look at the past, and there's that reverence for the past. You can look now, and I think 90s culture over the past couple years, is, it's really ramping up to where 90s culture is going into that reverence phase as well and i i think kind of caught up in in the swirl of that and maybe it's more on the fringes is hogan with wrestling like hogan represents the quintessential golden era of the business now grand the attitude era is what is forever has defined the wwf and wwe from that moment on but it's built upon the shoulders of what happened in that rock and wrestling era in the 80s with Hogan. And I think that's something really interesting. And and in some ways too, I think the and I'm not the build up to the show, but like the even the video package for the show was one of the first times it felt like the WWE leaned into their history. And I think that's something else I that came from the Place to Be Nation episode of WrestleMania X8 is how they talked about how the WWE really leaned into their history for the first time. Because the way Hogan talks in there, he talks more like the performer versus the character. And I think that's really interesting. Like, I think that was really cool that they started to, in a way, like, all right, we don't need to live inside kayfabe all the time. Maybe we can bring in those other elements. It's tough, though. It's still really hard to really grasp why... 
that Toronto crowd was so all in on Hulk Hogan that night. And if you really, I, I'll tell you, you want to hear something really cool, go watch the Raw after where they're in Quebec and Hogan comes out to open the show. And it is, um, I think it takes, like by the time he gets in the ring, it still takes at least two minutes before he can talk because the crowd is so loud. And even Ross like does plugs in all of the the usual lines about this is a moment this is a moment in history i haven't heard anything like this before hogan is looks confused in a way like a good confused like is this this is happening still like they love this and he's eating it up i mean he's gobbling it up and he should because it's great but um truly truly just a remarkable moment so all right before i all right i'm gonna I'm going to get into my thought, like my specific thoughts, why I think this is a perfect 10. I've leaned into a few of them already. But before I do, it's always fun to kind of try and find elements of, or find some pieces, quotes, or whatever has been put out over the years from either the wrestlers in the match or around the match that talk about the significance of this, like what their thoughts were on it and stuff like that. This is a tough one because the, the it's not like The Rock and, and The Rock does a ton of interviews talking about his pro he doesn't you're not seeing him load up and do the shoot interview about his whole career and the thing about Hogan I said earlier is it's tough sometimes because you don't know you never know what is what's the veracity of this particular quote but these I still think like ring pretty much true there's probably you know some embellishment going on even in these but I wanted to read these to you let's cite it first off this is on prowrestlingstories.com the author of this, uh, or I, I should say the author is listed as Pro Wrestling Stories. The editor is J.P. Zarka. So I just want to put that out there, you know, credit where credit's due on this. This is citing a two-part interview that Hogan did with a U.K.-based Fighting Spirit magazine. Now, I don't have the exact date on this when that interview happened, but let's talk about... Let's talk. Let's let's go to the man himself. Let's hear Hogan's thoughts about the build-up to this match and what happened. This is a quote from him. I go down there, and there's me and The Rock and his dad, Rocky Johnson, and Pat Patterson. The Rock starts telling me that we're going to lock up and do this and do that, then start getting some heat on me and so on. So we talked through the whole match, and I was listening. I respect him, and it kind of made sense, but I'd never done that before. Then they go, okay, let's have the match here. And I said, whoa, you're talking about me taking bumps in this ring with no people? I'll get hurt. And if I fall wrong one time, then my career is over. I've got to have the energy of the crowd so so that when I go down, I go down to the mat hard. So instead, we just walk through the match. The whole issue I had was, what if we got to Toronto and this doesn't work? So sure enough, when we got to Toronto... I give The Rock one big push, and the place explodes. Then I push him again, as I. Then I push him again, as we had planned, and the place explodes again. WWE thought I was going to get booed. Then I start chopping meat on him, and with every hit, the place is going crazy. Then I did what was planned, blocking a punch, and as soon as he started hitting me, came the boos. Hold on one second. I went down. And looked up and said, you want me to fix this? I want to think he says, you want me to fix this, brother? 
And The Rock says, yeah, let's fix it. I went, okay, then listen to me. But it took him no time to get it right because he is just so good in the ring. It took us three minutes to get it right. But if we'd, go, if we'd done what he had practiced, they'd have booed us out of the effing building. I'm not saying I could do it in every instance, but The Rock is so good, we could do that. The Rock doesn't usually talk about planning his matches, so somebody must have made him worry that I was too old or you know too slow and that I wouldn't be able to keep up with the work rate. But once he got in the ring with me, he knew I had a feel for it, and we got it right. That's what I wanted to do with Stone Cold and Bret Hart, too. So, um, I think that's... I, I, I think for the most part that definitely hits on a lot of things that we can observe watching the match. Yeah, you can tell this was not what they intended to do. If you just watch if you watch that build and you or even just watch the video package, like that's not the Hogan that's in this match. Like the Hogan in this match is one that's and what I also think is Hogan's already doing those poses before that first um or he's he's already when he had done the, the the shirt rip and everything, like I I feel like, because it's right after the first pushdown that he poses, I think he knew, and I think some further evidence is, and WWE would show like shows this in in a lot of their WrestleMania shows is what happens at the All Access, right? Well, at the Access events where the wrestlers come out and they sign autographs, like you know the night before, Friday before, whenever it is. When Hogan comes out, they're cheering for him heavily there. I think Hogan had an instinct that this was happening, or he he knew that this was possible, it was going to happen. He still reacts a little bit like it's... I think he... I think he might have kept it under wraps a little bit to himself, maybe like, okay, well, don't sell it that you're... Like, you know, let's, let's, let's still try and keep... Let's try and keep what we've got going going in this, but let's react accordingly. I do think though I don't that I don't think I was completely born out of this match in a way I do think that they he had an inkling of this could happen but I think what's great is that all, when they go full bore in the match that they do react accordingly and that's just that's where I want to get into now why this is a perfect ten for you because wrestling so many in so many ways now is not about listening to the crowd it's just doing what we planned and moving on with it. I'm not going to tell you I'm an improv actor. I'm not that, all right? But I can tell you this from doing whenever I've had to do improv. Improv is about the dance partner you're with. If you do something, if you throw out, if you're throwing out the idea, you're throwing out the skit or the bit that you're going to do, if the other person doesn't play along, if they don't say yes, it dies. They die, you die, and the crowd will let you know that they're dead too. Everybody's dead. It's not fun. It is not fun. But when you're up there and they throw something out and you go with it, you say yes, and then you throw something out and they say yes, that's what makes wrestling really, that or makes performance really, really special. And wrestling is very much the same way. And when we talk about the contrast of styles, what's interesting is Hogan is of a generation where what's the start? What are a couple high spots? What's the finish? And we'll call the rest in the ring. And that's it. And I think that it goes to show you that that era had a tremendous knack for looking at the crowd, listening to the crowd, and understanding what 
what do we need to do next based on what we're hearing? You know, like if, if we're hearing this, maybe we should do this. Or if we're hearing that, maybe we should do this other thing instead. And I, I just, I, I love that because you just don't, there are not a lot of wrestling matches where there truly is listening to the audience. It's more like, no, you, this is what we're going to give you. And you react however you're gonna act. We think it's gonna you're gonna react this way, but regardless, this is what we're gonna do anyway. And that's tough. I mean, that's a tough, tough thing. So um, I told I've said it before. The this is a match all about spectacle. It's all about spectacle. Uh, Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior have a, a work rate of ten on a scale of 1 to 10 compared to this match. This match does not have great work rate. It's it's a very basic a basic basic heel versus face type of match. It's a a very very watered down rock. I mean considering he had done an Iron Man match with Triple H a year before, you know, he's worked some pretty intense matches leading up to this. But that's the cool thing is that sometimes a wrestling match doesn't need to be that type of match to be great. You know, a wrestling match sometimes can be some of the, I guess, what is it, what is Russo called? The pyro and the ballyhoo. Sometimes it's about all the shenanigans, the gimmicks, the schmozzes, or these other things that can really make it special, where it's not about the moveset, it's about the story, and then the story and the effect it has on you. So, I just think that's that, that's just such a special thing. And I know it's weird. Like, it is... It's weird to talk about because you're like, this is Hogan. This is the guy who got, you know, who did the sex tape with his friend's wife who said awful things about African-Americans, who has buried ad nauseum wrestlers in the business and has found ways to exploit it to make himself look better. And yet, when you watch this match, those things happen and you're like, you don't see that. You don't remember that. You don't hear that. All you see is that guy from when you were a wrestling fan as a child. And that is just something that is unbelievably special, unique, and you just uh, you wish you could just bottle up and hold on to forever and then sprinkle onto uh, sprinkle into various moments of of other matches down the road, but you just can't. It just happens in this moment and exists in that moment forever. It's a pleasure to go back and watch it. Um Oh, yeah, there was the thing from commentary I missed. So it's funny, like, the irony is... JR talks about this is wrestling's past meeting wrestling's future. And at the time, you might have believed that. Because, you know, The Rock, based on based on where where he was and how he was doing, like, you, you could have believed that The Rock was going to be around for a few more years. And, of course, like, it's not like he ever... He, I mean... He, He's come back a f- more than a few times over the years. But this is the last year of his r- last real run, you know, like his last real full-time run. This is the end of it. Because after this, he'll he'll disappear again. Probably to go... Uh, this might be walking tall territory we get into. I'm not sure. But then he, re- he pops up surpri- as a surprise in the summer. Works a... Um, a triple threat match to and wins the belt at a pay-per-view against the Undertaker and Angle. And then of course is the build up to Rock versus Brock and it's the moment where the Rock is going to basically pass the torch on to Brock who's going to be, you know, the guy going forward. So 
it's it's hard sometimes when you hear, oh, it's wrestling's future. Eh, not really, but you know, it's definitely wrestling's present. That's for sure, without a doubt. So the thing I wanted to, I, I was put in the parking lot until right now was talking about WrestleMania 18 as a whole. Because this match is the pay-per-view. And a lot of... I mean, the, the Flair the Flair taker match, I hold in high regard. We all do. That was another one we really liked on the in Season 2. But this match is remembered for this. This match is what people remember when they hear this WrestleMania. Um, and it's... It, and that's the thing that's sad, is that... I think if you were to redo... If you were to get WrestleMania X8 back on track, the route I would have gone with to strengthen the card would be actually to break up this match. It's almost like in fantasy, when you're playing fantasy football and you've got like one outstanding player, but the rest of your team just sucks. So you have to put you have to trade that player and get two or three good parts that will hopefully help, you know, strengthen your team because now you have strength in multiple areas. It's the same thing here. Because I think what would have been awesome to really set off WrestleMania X8 was to have would be to have the main event be the NWO, Hogan, Hall, and Nash facing Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and Triple H, a, th- a six-man main event, which would be unprecedented. WrestleMania hasn't done that. I mean, they did the tag match at WrestleMania one. They've they really got got away from. You know, anything but a singles match being the closer. You know, at this point, it was the championship. So, I know that's weird. But at the same time, I think it would have been a really cool kind of appendix to... I should say appendix. Maybe an epilogue to the invasion. Where now it's like, you know, you guys fought off like the, the B crew, basically. Now it's time to face the like the crew that took over WCW for a time. Can you imagine this build? Austin, Rock, and Triple H all do not like each other. They all have matches with each other. Big feuds with each other. Can you imagine them just the fighting amongst themselves while having to fight off the NWO? Insane Vince is always the best Vince. You would have him in the mix, of course. And then just to see them have to work it out and find a way to triumph. What a way to end a mania to have all three of those guys doing the beer bash. You know, maybe they all three hit their finisher on Hogan. Maybe not. I don't think Hogan takes all three of them. But something like that would be really, really neat. You know, I think that would have really made that pay-per-view cool. Of course, the easiest answer is we'll just put Rock Hogan last will. Why are we overthinking this? I'm just thinking of different things. You know, it's not that big a deal. Um... One other thing that the Place to Be Nation episode really highlighted with this and their X8 episode is this kicks off really what might be the best Hulk Hogan run of his career in 02 here. This this little run here from Mania through, I forget when, but it's on the road to SummerSlam. He has this match here with The Rock. He's going to beat Triple H for the belt and really have that, 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 that last great <clears throat> Hulkster run with the belt for a month. He'll drop it to Taker, but then he'll have a great match against Kurt Angle to make him look good. Makes Brock look phenomenal. I think he passed out to a, a bear hug. It's like a bloody pass out to a bear hug or something like that. I don't think he F5. No, no brother. I'm, I'm not doing the F5, brother. Um, maybe he did. I don't remember, but I don't think so. 
And then, of course, I think 02 is when him and Edge win those tag belts from, um, they win the tag titles from, um, is it Love Resistance? I forget. I forget, but that's, of course, a huge, a huge moment. So it's a cool run here for Hogan. You know, this really kickstarts a really great run for him. And in some ways, maybe it's the best run that he ever had. I don't know. I don't know. That can be an interesting debate another time. But um, I think that's all my stuff here. I think that's all I've got for it. So before we close up shop today, let's look ahead here. So we talked about Best Luck Spot 2000 or 2020. Best Luck Spot 2000. <laughs> that's funny. Best of Luck Spot 2020. Still happening. We'll see when the date is. Maybe it's maybe it still happens with Mania. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe Mania doesn't happen at all. I don't know. Keep your eyes out on Twitter for it, okay? Go back and listen to our other Perfect Tens, okay? We've done now a, a good many of these now, and we're only going to keep it going. So if you have thoughts maybe on what could be a Perfect Ten, tweet at us. Come up with a hashtag. Maybe hashtag Perfect Tens. It may already be a hashtag. That that may be something already, but you guys know what I mean. Tweet at us or send us a or post or comment on face on Facebook to us about it. Let us know what you think are some perfect tens out there. And I don't want to be just icon. I like we've hit a couple iconic matches to start with. Like we're gonna start kind of branching out into some matches that may not be like the oh yeah duh that comes right to head that's a perfect 10 it's like no maybe these are a little few that fly under the radar that maybe you're more on a personal side of perfect 10 or something like that i don't know i don't know it's interesting we'll find out what it is but in the meantime the podcast on twitter at new blood pod we are on facebook new blood rising podcast i am at william rankin 83 and we will see you all next time Goodbye, my friend. That's the goodbye. Goodbye, Cactus. Thanks for the great memories, buddy. You're going to be missed, Cactus. Godspeed, Mick Foley.